Hey, Faith Tribe family, as you can see, I'm not with you this weekend. I'm traveling to North Carolina to preach for my spiritual dad as he's traveling to Ghana to minister over there. As you can also see, I'm wearing my Faith Tribe gear. This is to inspire you to wear yours next weekend at all of our locations for our team weekend. And to help you get inspired, we're going to do a contest. If you can bring five new people, never been to our church before, to church with you, we are going to give you one of these t-shirts for free so that you can represent wherever you are. But this weekend, you are in the anointed, capable hands of a friend of mine who is here to minister the Word of God to you. His name is Dr. Bishop Greer. He pastors an amazing church in Dumfries, Virginia called Grace Church. I've been there. It's anointed. The people just received. The power of God is there. And he is here with us to minister to you. He is also the founder of a network that trains leaders called the RLN Network. He's also the inspiration behind an organization that I am so happy to be a part of. It's called DC Talks. It helps to bring people together in the body of Christ along and over racial and ethnic lines to bring unity to the body of Christ. He is a man who is appointed. He is anointed. He is never to be replicated, cannot be duplicated. I want you to stand to your feet and give the greatest faith church welcome that you can to Dr. Bishop Greer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Anybody grateful to God right now? Hallelujah. Lord, you're good. We honor you. We thank you. Well, it's, it's great to be at Faith Church, and uh, I've had the privilege to sit with your pastor for a couple nights before he got out of town, and I got a chance to meet with uh, a Joey as well, and it's good to meet you, a good-looking group of people, and uh, so this is my first time here, so I'm going to navigate it, so uh, you may be seated. God bless you, and uh, so glad to see you here tonight. Uh, so as you can tell, I am not Pastor Frank. So I want to welcome uh, all the Faith Church campuses, uh, online folks, uh, the Metaverse, the television family. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I've had uh, uh, the opportunity to sit with your pastor uh, quite a number of times. We share on, uh, we sit, I'm sorry, on uh, the same board. And actually, the first time I met him was in Atlanta. Uh, we probably talked for about two hours that evening. And one thing I found out about Pastor Frank is he loves his congregation. How do I know it? Because he keeps talking about you all the time. No matter where he is, he is talking about uh, you guys. He loves you with all uh, his heart. So in a couple moments, I am going to uh, get started uh, really quick. If you're looking for something to read, we have some resources. Uh, I brought at least one with me, uh, When God Stops. Actually, uh, your pastor uh, wrote one of the, you could take this, son, one of the uh, endorsements, the chaplain of the United States Senate, a whole lot of other people have endorsed it. So if you need uh, God's hand uh, to be activated in your life, get a copy of that book. Uh, it'll be available uh, after service. Now I'm going to pray and I'm going to get right into the word. Now I am a line by line preacher. So you may hate everything I say, but you will never leave me without learning more about God's word. 
Okay, so uh, my style may be a little bit different, but I think we're going to learn some things tonight and we are going to, to grow together. And I do believe God has given me a word for this house. So, Father, open eyes, illuminate hearts. I'm going to talk, but ultimately it's you who's going to teach. Do your work, Holy Spirit, and we give you all the honor for what you accomplish. And the church says, Amen. We're in First Samuel uh, chapter 30 and verse 1, and I won't get mad at you if you say a couple amens or, or you vocalize to let me know you're, you're following with me. Um, uh, Grace Church, by the way, we are uh, right outside Washington, D.C., and uh, actually, again, uh, Pastor Frank and I serve on a board that, that's really located in D.C. together. And uh, it, it's been a, a great to get to know him, and it's also been great so far, uh, my, my visit here. Now, we're, we're going to go to a pivotal time in David's life. Now, if I begin to minister on this portion of Scripture and you don't understand the larger context, you may miss some things. What I'm about to talk to you about tonight was the last thing that happened to David before he took the crown. And um, uh, that, that's a very, very, very important statement. Um, matter of fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just get started and we're going to back into that. And you're going to understand why that's important a little bit later. The Bible says, now it happened. Now, when David was a teenager, God promised him that one day he would be king. And you know the, the narrative, he was anointed uh, before his brother's. But how many of you know the, the path between uh, promise and fulfillment is with God, it's never a straight line. There's usually a little tragedy, a little bit of agony to the road uh, to destiny. In other words, growth hurts. And uh, God often has to prepare us for the things he has for us. And sometimes the preparation process can be very challenging and very, very difficult. Some of us think that, you know, God will just anoint you. And when he anoints you, all of a sudden, you know, uh, you'll be able to stand in, in that office and fulfill the assignment that God has for you. But there's typically a training process. You don't just wake up one day, God's called you to be a doctor, and all of a sudden start operating on people. You have to go through years of training and, and development. And even after you go through that training, then there's a residency. And, and there's all types of things that happen before you step into purpose. The Bible says in verse one, now it's, pay attention, happened. We will all have it happened moments in our lives. Things so unthinkable, things so monstrous that we don't even want to dignify it with a name. All the Bible calls it is it. And what we discover in this verse, God intends to grow us through whatever we got to go through. It says, it happened when David, and so this it is important. It's not just a narrative about some historical facts. This is an it happened moment in David's life. It happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day. They had just finished a three-day, 50-mile journey. David had been hunted by his mentor, King Saul, for years. Uh, he was physically exhausted, mentally exhausted, emotionally frustrated. But, but here's what I know. Often we must fight through the, the very worst day of our lives to qualify for the best days of our lives. 
And so far, everyone in this room, if you're in this room, you have survived 100% of your worst days. So whatever you're going through, this too shall pass. And it says the Amalekites had invaded the south and they attacked Ziklag. And they burned Ziklag, which was David's camp, with fire. Now, David had defeated the Amalekites just three chapters prior. But have you ever had a situation in your life that you thought was behind you, but then it kind of shows up to try to ruin everything you built since? So this is what's happening with David. Some things that were from his past all of a sudden showed up at a very, very weak and vulnerable moment. And verse 2 says, And he had taken captive the women and those who were there, watch this, from small to great. So David's wife was gone. David's mother was gone. All of his children were gone. But then we see this next clause, but they did not kill any one. Even in our darkest moments, we can count our blessings. What happened to David's family was absolutely horrifying. Prisoners of war were, were treated uh, in unthinkable ways, unmentionable things I wouldn't even want to say often happened to prisoners of war at that time. But the Bible notes here, at least they were still alive. And no matter what has just happened to you, you can always find things in life that you can be thankful for. It says they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David came back home to nothing and to no one. And I've learned in my life, the closer you get to the blessing, the more intense the battle gets. And as I laid out earlier, David is about to step into his destiny. He's about to become king. But before he becomes king, he faces the toughest battle in his life. And it happens here at Ziklag. So David and his men came to the city. And there it, it was, burned with fire. All his stuff gone. And their wives, their sons, their daughters, all had been taken captive. All the people gone. Now, I want you to understand something here. David's name literally means beloved. David was God's beloved. In the New Testament, Peter even calls him a prophet. But neither his high calling or God's love for him exempted him from what he was about to face. Neither his piety or integrity exempted him from facing this particular loss. And what I've discovered in my life, no matter how anointed you are, no matter how called you are, no matter how clear God has painted uh, your destiny in your heart and, and your mind, no one is exempt from life's ups and downs. So David is about to face a down, and that down is actually setting him up for what's next. Verse 4. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and they wept. There's no greater pain in life than 
a moment when you feel helpless to protect those you love most. Here's David is this mighty warrior, the, the, the great psalmist of Israel. But those he loved most have been taken captive. And many of us have people in our lives that we love dearly, but they have been taken captive. And these hardened warriors, now these, this is not, you know, these not just some, some, some guys that are being emotional. These men were warriors. These are war-hardened men. They had seen the worst in life. I mean, they, they've seen babies cut out of women and, and they, they've been in violent and vile situations. But the Bible says the situation was so intense in this moment that these hardened warriors cried like babies. And the Bible says they wept until they had no more power to weep. I remember when I was a child, I grew up in Long Island, New York, and back then our parents still spanked us. I know nowadays, you know, but, but back, you know, I, I would get a spanking. And I remember as, as a kid, you know, after a spanking, you know, I go uh, into my bedroom. They usually send me into my room and I, I, I usually deserve the spankings I got. I don't know about you, but I, I deserve them. Have you ever though cried as a kid so long that, that you ran out of tears? You just, you just shook and you just inhaled because there was no more tears left. This is what's happening with these grown men. They cried until they had no more power to weep. So they're men probably in the fetal position. Men had thrown dirt on their head. They ripped their garments and, and they're, they're, they're crying and, and they don't have any more tears left in, in, in this moment. So, so David's facing 600 inconsolable, heartbroken, grief-stricken men. And then in verse 5, it says, David's two wives, Ahinom, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, they had been taken captive. So this was not just a military crisis. It was a personal crisis. And as a leader, I pastor a church. We have thousands of, of, of people. And, and um, you know, it, it's one thing to, to help another in a crisis. It's another thing to help another when you yourself are in a crisis. So here David is, he's out front, and just like all of the men had lost their families, David has lost, he had lost his. And, 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 and you know, anyone can shout when everything is working, but the best learners shout when everything else is falling apart. Now David now, is facing a test that only a grown man can face. Now, he did great things with Goliath, but he was able to defeat Goliath with a rock and a stone. And we don't really know his age, but 16, 17, some people say 19, we don't know. But some tests take some maturity. Some tests take some years of learning before you can pass them. Now, in verse 6, his men are weeping. He's lost his family. He's imagining what they might be doing with his wife and his children. And it's an awful situation. And David was not just lightly, but greatly distressed. The greatest accomplishments in my Bible were made by weary, disappointed, and uh, hurting people who just refused to quit. And this was the case with David.
So by the way, if you feel confused, if you feel disappointed at times, it just means you're a candidate for great things just like David. But watch why he was so distressed. Because the people, the men he had raised up out of nothing, spoke of stoning him. Now in Psalms, uh, uh, sorry, First Samuel 22 and verse 2, it says that when David met all of these men, these 600 men, they, they were nobodies. The Bible described them as distressed. The Bible described them as indebted, discontented. Um, but but let, let me tell you something. It hurts when those you have done the most for, those you have worked so closely with, shared life together for so very long, abandon you and so quickly forget. The people, all of his men, spoke of stoning him. They were literally planning to kill David. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. The worst thing about betrayal is it can only come through a hand of a friend. The Bible says on the night Christ was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it. Many of us read over that. He was not just dealing with physical pain. He was dealing with emotional pain. A friend, someone he had broken bread with, someone he had developed, someone the power of God had had moved. Actually, Judas cast out demons with the rest of the disciples. He had seen Jesus perform miracles and and they had shared moments of conversation together. But, but, But the man that he invested so much in on that night, what? Betrayed him. You see, you expect an enemy to fight you, but not those you care for the most. So, David is here and he, he's dealing with loss and, 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 and the people that he served and loved and fought alongside of for years now have turned and everyone's talking about stoning David. But often it's days like this that happen right before promotion. I'm getting somewhere. Because the soul of all the people was grieved Every man for their own situation, for their sons and and their daughters. And everybody blamed David. Everyone wants to sit in the tall seat. Everyone wants to be out front until you realize the cost. David, in order for him to to, to be ready to, to, to step into his promotion as king, he had to face his ziklag. Daniel had to face a lion's den. Everyone, the Bible says, that, that lives godly in Christ got to face some things, persecution, literally, in the Bible. And, and matter of fact, Jesus even said, if you're going to follow me, you got to take up what your cross and do so. Meaning we're going to face stuff in like Now, God's not our enemy. We're clear, if God be for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his only son, will he not along with him give us all things? God is not our enemy. He's not our opponent. He's not the one trying to harm us. But there is a real devil. And there's a real fallen world. And a friend of mine says, if, if you never run into the devil, it's probably because both of y'all are, are walking in the same direction. And the people spoke of stoning him because the son of all the people was grieved. But David, but David, everybody else could have reacted the way they did. And, and God might have been okay with it, but... David, when push came to shove, 
David strengthened himself in his God. God will always give you what it takes. But sometimes it takes everything you got. And this moment required something of David for him to get to the other side of the Ziklag experience. You see, a a diamond is just a, a piece of coal that has handled stress exceptionally well. Then David, his true nature. You see, the purpose of leadership is leaders answer problems. Leaders solve problems. That's why kids are not born to themselves. They're born with parents and parents lead and and parents solve problems for their kids. And David here, the reason he's facing a problem because his, his true mantle is being exposed and we're about to see the real leadership gift in David. And if you can't continue to stand when trouble comes, you're not ready for next. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son, please bring the ephod here to me. Now, I'm not going to dig into this, but this is really important. The ephod, on the, on the ephod, there were 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. So when David was in the midst of his crisis, he wasn't in the corner crying, woe is me. He had on his mind his people, the tribes of Israel, his assignment, and he put on the 12 tribes as an intercessor. And, and when everyone else was falling apart, David, though, he, he leaned into God. And you're not ready for promotion until you learn that in your crisis moment, it's not how fast you run away, it's how fast you run into him. And the Psalms come out of moments like this where he calls calls God a strong tower, a fortress, a shield, and a buckler because he found God to be a present help in trouble. Those songs were not just pretty songs that he was singing, you know, while he was messing around with some sheep. These were things that came out of his experience and out of his life. And God wants to give us a song of victory. But in order to have a victory, you got to go through the something. My Bible says, though, yea, though we walk through the valley, though we walk what through the valley, what through the valley of the shadow of death. So we're going to walk through some things, even though the Lord is your shepherd, even though he makes you lie down and grieve. All the things he does, you're still going to have to go through some things in life. And often the most difficult times are right before promotion. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David where they kept the Urim and the Thummim. And by the way, I, I, my wife sends her greeting. Her name is Jerum, so that just reminded me of my wife. She, she's from Ethiopia, uh, and uh, uh, we met, uh, wow, how long? We, 27 years ago. And again, she sends her greeting. My oldest son is here. My youngest son, would you stand there? Yeah, yep. See, I forget stuff. I'm so focused on the word. I'm so sorry. But uh, my, my oldest son is, is back at home, and uh, he's with his mom, making sure she's okay. Um, but but the, those two instruments, the Urim and the Thummim, were the instruments that the priest used to hear from God. So watch what David does in his crisis moment. It says, David inquired of the Lord. He couldn't look to his friends anymore, only to God. And sometimes the value of hitting bottom is once you get there, all you can do is look up. And David had hit bottom, lost his family, the the, the woman he loved, 
lost his friends. People had turned on him. But David didn't stop going to church. If anything, he called for the pastor. He called for the instruments of worship and, and praise. He inquired of the Lord saying, God, shall I pursue this troop? David had been with the Lord long enough to know that he couldn't fight this battle in his own strength. He needed a word. And some of you are facing some things that you want to kind of face that thing based on some doctrine. But, but thank God for the doctrine and, and that, that's really, really important. But sometimes I need a word. Because sometimes, you know, I, I hear what happened to others. But you know what? I'm not David. I'm not Daniel. I, I'm not, you know, these other. I'm Derek Greer. And sometimes I need to hear God for myself. And David, though, though, though what he says to me is consistent with what he said to all these other people. But, but there are moments I need to hear him for myself. And David posed a question. He didn't just run off in the flesh saying God will do what he has done before. Remember, that's what Samson did. And he didn't realize that the power of God was not with him. He was insensitive to God's leading. But I've learned in crisis times to, to listen to the Lord and, and, and let him speak to my heart, minister to my heart. Not me just tell God what I want, but, but let him minister what he wants for me in that moment. He said, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Now we know from the Psalms that David is a very passionate man, a highly emotional man. And emotions are, are, are good, but, 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 but I want you to notice in his time of challenge, David remained a man under authority. It wasn't about what he felt. It was about what did God have to say. You see, we cannot serve two masters. Your loved one hate the other. We cannot be controlled by our, our emotions and the Holy Spirit at the same time. But in this moment, David showed who his Lord really was. He chose the ephod over his pain. And there will be times in our lives that you will have to choose to worship. You will have to, to, to choose to pray. You'll have to choose to press in over your moment of pain. And God answered him. And thank God for a God who hears, a God who speaks. We don't worship an idol. This is the living God. He said, pursue, for you shall surely, you shall surely, certainly, without doubt. God put a surely in David's spirit. When I'm in crisis, I need God to put a surely in my heart. Not a maybe, not a possibly, not I hope so, but a surely. I've learned in crisis to let God minister to me. And typically what he, well, actually not typically, all the time what he puts in me is what I need in the, for, for that moment. But, but a lot of times we don't stay with God long enough to get a surely. But David leaned in long enough to hear God say, for you shall surely overtake them. Sometimes God gives us, or, you know, uh, lessons to live by. And we get that in teaching. But other times he gives us a word to stand on. And David needed a word. Now, 
I have just come through, me and my congregation, a six-year ordeal. I'm not going to tell you all the details, but more than I ever imagined happened in the last six years. But I could just give you a high level of some of the more easy stuff. A Grace Church at one point, and uh, we, we became one of the fastest growing churches in the United States. I think we were number seven uh, in 2000, I don't remember, 14 or, or, or 15. We were out of room in the children's church. Uh, our youth ministry couldn't uh, uh, fit in our building, so our kids had to walk across the street. I was ministering typically at least five services a week. And uh, uh, the, the most painful part about this as a pastor was 20 to 30 cars every weekend would leave our campus never to return because there wasn't adequate parking. Every week there was a logistical nightmare. Now, this was the second building we, we had built together. I, I helped build and uh, 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 we, we thought we'd be in it forever, but, you know, we, we were shocked by what the Lord had had accomplished and uh, uh, we, we just didn't have space uh, for, for all that was happening. So we decided that we would purchase a new property just about five minutes from our church and uh, uh, we, we bought the property. Then actually the guy we bought the property from, uh, actually he was building a, a little uh, deal next to us, a strip mall. He sued us. Imagine that the guy who sold us the property uh, sued us uh, for use of the land. He wanted to put a, a road through the property. Really, really complicated. We won the lawsuit, but after hundreds of thousands of dollars, all the rest after delay, every Sunday, you know, our, our kids, after we starting to send our kids, you know, kids would come uh, with their parents. You want to drop them off so they can go into the classrooms. But then we'd have to send the kids back to the parents, you know, in the sanctuary because there was no room in the children's church. I could go on and, and on. And what was supposed to take us 18 months lasted six years. But then God gave me a word from this verse. In the midst of it, God put a surely in my heart. Though we face lawyers. In fact, during this time, one of my ministers started a church out of our church while we're building a new church uh, without the blessing, uh, not, not my blessing. And, and, you know, all my pastors, we had an agreement. And by the way, I could go down a lot of rabbit trails telling you a bunch of stories about the types of things that, that went on in this season. But the only thing I required of my ministers is just don't, don't do anything that would ever hurt Grace Church. You know, don't confuse our people by starting a church, you know, 15 minutes, uh, you know, 15, uh, well, 15 minutes, yeah, kind of uh, across the street or that type of thing. Uh, but, you know, all, all that went down and, and I mean, I, I, could, I could go on and on about the types of things. Then COVID hit in the middle of, we're, we're millions of dollars. This is not a five million, ten million, fifteen million dollar building. I'm talking millions of dollars. Then COVID hit, and we're we're, we're raising funds uh, to move into this facility. But God put a surely in my heart, despite all that was happening. I mean, it seemed like everything was unraveling. I, I used to, you know, I, I, I when I was young, I was able to, you know, have those sixty, seventy hour weeks. But I'm in my fifties now. And, um, you know, I found myself, you know, 50 plus and, and, and I'm back to 60, 70 hour weeks and I'm exhausted. I mean, I could go on and, and on, but in the midst of it, God put a surely in my heart and he said, without fail, Derek, meaning it's certain 
inevitable, fixed. Plans may fail. People may fail. At times, my own heart may fail. But God's word will never fail. And there will be moments in your life, all you got is a word from God. You got lawsuits. You, you, you got people walking away. You got crazy things happen. All on and on. But his promise to me was, Derek, don't sweat what it might seem that you lose. Because the devil can't take more than I can give back. The devil can't hurt you more than God can reward you and bless you. You got to have faith in God. Faith in God is not always that bad things won't happen. Faith in God is even if it happens, God got me. God will keep me and I will recover all. All right, I hear you in the room. Amen. And without fail, you shall recover all. Now, it's easy to miss that. But he was saying to me, you will not just recover a portion. But you will recover every ounce, every molecule, every granule, every fragment of what the devil had stolen. How many in this room have some things that you need to recover? Some things that have been stolen that you want to get back. What you need to do is do what I did. Lean in until you get a Shirley. Now, I don't always get a Shirley in the first five minutes of prayer. I don't always get a Shirley the, the first, you know, ten minutes of meditating on God's word. I don't always get a Shirley the first week. But if I lean in long enough. He will put a certainly, he will put it, it put a thing where you know that you know that you will win. And you see, we call faith, a lot of times we get faith confused with mental assent. And, and faith is when you know that you know. And, and it's not because you see it, it's not because you feel it, it's because you know it. And David recovered all because he had genuine faith. God put a surely in his heart. And many of you, you're facing some things. Don't settle for a maybe. Don't settle for I hope so. Lean in till you get a surely in your heart. He says, and without fail, you shall recover all. Verse 17, then watch what David did. He attacked from twilight until the evening of the next day. What I need you to see here is that David played a role in his deliverance. But when David did his part and showed up for the fight, God mopped the floor with his enemies. God will do it, but you got to keep showing up. I had to show up Sunday after Sunday, during that season, I got sick in my body. Doctors couldn't explain it. My hands froze up. And, and I had to finish a book. And, and the publisher was waiting for it. And, and my hands froze. Just the, the pressure was so intense and, and, and all the rest. But I had to keep showing up. And sometimes all I could do was show up. Then I had some Sundays I showed up. I was prayed up. I had God's word ready. But, you know, in the back room, I was like, God, I can't do it. 
you know what? They're expecting from me for, for me to lift them. And dear God, I need to be lifted. But, but what I had to do is drag myself to that altar. I'm sorry, to, to that pulpit and show up every Sunday. And it's amazing as I showed up, God would keep showing up. As long as I showed up, God would keep showing. As long as you show up in the place you ought to be as the person God's called you to be, you will see God show up in a way that there are no words to describe or explain. So David, David was willing to walk that mile alone. David, without encouragement for others, he leaned into his God. And then he leaned into his God with God's people on his mind, not just himself. And then he sought the Lord until he got a surely in his heart. And after he got that amen, amen, that, that, that verily, verily, that surely in his heart. By the way, Jesus preached with a surely. Amen, amen, verily, verily, that's surely, surely. And Jesus lived a life of, of, of genuine assurance. So David, oh, oh wait, wait, watch this. I, I skipped the verse. Not, not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and, and, and fled. So God only let these men, by the way, uh, uh, survive to, to tell the stories to others. Now, that statement by itself is a whole message. Sometimes God lets some people survive so they could tell your story. And, and they, wanted to under, they wanted people to be eyewitnesses to what the, David had just done. Verse 18. So David, watch this, recovered all. David recovered all. God wants you to recover all. All. God wants me to recover all. He recovered all that the Amalekites, God didn't stop the Amalekites, but God made sure he recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his wives. So he got all his stuff back, all his people back, all his personal relationships back. But keep listening. And nothing, no thing, not one thing. And many times because we go through it, we think God has abandoned us. But God sees the end from the beginning. And, and, and there may be moments where, where it seems like you, you lose some things. But Job lost it all, but he got what? Double for his what? Trouble. Jesus was crucified on a Friday, but on the, uh, on Sunday, he, he rose from, from the dead and the whole world still sings about him because of Sunday morning and nothing, no thing of theirs was lacking, nothing lacking and nothing missing. I'm not sure what all of you are facing, but the anointing that God has placed on me in this season, I felt like he wanted me to share with you. And a simple message is if you keep looking to God, you will come out of whatever the unthinkable, the indescribable situation it is that you just faced with nothing missing, nothing lacking. It said nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great. Sons or daughters, spoil or anything which had been taken from them. Once again, your faith may not always stop everything. 
but your faith will always recover everything that the devil steals. Nothing of theirs was lacking, either great or small. It says here, here's the, the final statement. And, and today, you, you don't, your faith doesn't have to rest on a preacher. We are going line by line. You see what the word of God says. And then it, at the end, he, he, he kind of just captures, summarizes everything that was said in this, this simple statement. And David recovered all. This Saturday night, I need you to fill your name in there. What God did for David, what God did for me, he wants to do for you. And by the way, next month we move into our facility. Amen. Yep. And the neighbor that sued me, we now have gone out to lunch together. I have prayed for him. And what I need you to know is we got to have even though faith, even if faith. You know, not just this neat, you know, if everything works out perfectly, Lord, I'll worship you. But though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I'll fear no evil, Lord. You're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. God, you prepare a table for me in the midst of my enemies. It's, God, it's not what I go through. It's what you take me out of. God, you're bigger and greater than the devil. And if the devil can take me down 10 feet, you can lift me up 20. You alone are God, and you will not be outdone by the devil. David recovered all. And my goal tonight was that just like God put David's name on that recovery, that you put your name on that recovery. Jason will recover all. Anna will recover all. Gregory will recover all. Look in the mirror in the morning. I will recover everything the devil has stolen. I will recover all. But you got to get into God's presence until you get a surely in your heart. Did you get anything out of what I shared with you tonight? I hope you did. The last couple moments here, right now, every head bowed, every eye closed. There may be someone in this room. You need to know God as the strength of your life. But it all starts with admitting I am a sinner. Apart from you, God, I am nothing. Apart from you, Lord, I am a mess. But Jesus, God taken on flesh, came to earth took our punishment, took our shame, took our sins on that cross so that we don't have to bear the punishment due us. He took our punishment so we don't have to. So right now in this moment, God wants to be the strength of your life. He wants to become your salvation. Stop trying to save yourself. Stop trying to fix it yourself. Jesus alone wants to save. And in this moment, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. If there's anyone in this room it says, I want to know this, Jesus, that despite all the years the locust, the palmer worm, the caterpillar has destroyed, that God can get it back. 
despite my bad decisions. And by the way, David was messing around with the Philistines when he got attacked. And, and, and there's debate whether he was doing the right thing or the wrong thing. But the bottom line is no matter whether he was right or wrong, when he looked to God, God helped him recover all. You have, may have lost years messing around with Philistines. But God, he wants you to recover it all. So if there's any here, you want to receive Jesus as Savior. You want him to become the strength of your life. To stretch out some of them question marks into exclamation points. And to truly become your Savior, your refuge, and your strength. If that's you, would you slip up your hand if there's any in this room right now. And perhaps you're on some of the campuses If that's you, just slip up your hand and perhaps they'll notice you. If you're on the internet, just put in the chat, I want to know Jesus and and the church will know what to do to lead you in this next steps. But it looks like we're all family in this room, that everyone knows the Lord. But I want to do one more thing before I let you go tonight. Who in this room has faced some loss? Be honest, you, you lost some things. Call it what you want, but you lost some things. But you, you're hearing the message tonight that he's the same God. God has not changed. What he did for David, he'll do for you. How many in here have an area of your life or something that you want to recover? You want God to help you get back. Lift up that hand, look up that hand. I see all around this room, I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But I do want you to take a step of faith. Would you just stand and face? Stand where you are. Stand, stand where you are. Wherever you are. Those that live. I want to pray for you. The Bible says after doing everything to stand, stand therefore. The belt guard about with truth. It takes courage to stand. It takes faith to stand. It's one thing to preach a message, but what's most important is how folks respond to that message. And right now, I want to pray for each and every one of you. Would you just lift your hands to heaven, those of you standing? Heavenly Father, may they recover all. May you plant assurance in their hearts may it surely arise may they know that they know may questions begin to be removed from their hearts maybe they can't they won't they don't understand how or why but they know that their God is faithful right now God I ask that you release assurance that you're bigger than everything the devil's done Everything the devil's marred, everything he's stolen, everything he's contaminated. Things that we think we can't get back. You are God. And just like David recovered all, each person with their hands up raised to heaven, you shall recover all. You shall recover all. You shall recover. I say by the word of the Lord, you shall Recover all, every ounce, every molecule, every part, every broken piece, you shall recover. He is the potter, 
and he knows how to put things back together again. Right now, may favor from heaven be released in each life. May God's circumstances shift. And as they show up to face the the situations in their lives, may they see your hand and may they recover everything that has been taken and stolen. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. And we all say amen and amen. Thank you so much for having me tonight. It's great to be at Faith Church.